Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Psalm 132, as we take yet another step forward in the Pilgrim series that we've been attending ourselves to as we walk along. We are going to make our ascent, as we've been seeing in this walk of faith, Psalm 132. Last week we looked at Psalm 131, and we examined the proper posture of the pilgrim, the spiritual posture of the spiritual pilgrim. Are we kneeling? That's right. And are we reclining? Two uh, postures that are inward realities in our souls, as David would describe it. We also summarize both of those postures in a single word, contentment. See, that came up at a good time, holidays, so to speak. Contentment? Yes. Content in Christ. That's uh, pretty much what we just sang. I hope you caught that over and over. We prepare ourselves to hear the word and also to look back on where we've been. Jesus, I am resting. I'll say it again. Resting in the joy of what you are. Sing of his love, so pure and changeless. That satisfies my heart. What does it satisfy? This is what we sang. Satisfies deepest longings. Meets, supplies its every need. See, and can almost just glance back at Psalm 131 and hear David, uh, the psalmist, uh, saying the same thing, yes? Is that true of your pilgrim heart today? Well, the next song of ascent that we ascend to here, we find ourselves joining the psalmist and those singing with him, and they're offering up a prayer, a prayer that concerns the house of David, uh, along with his own deep desire for this. He wants to know the presence of God In fact, he wants that resting on his people. He wants that dwelling among the faithful in a very special way. So today, we're going to read, uh, not the whole psalm, we're going to read only the first five verses this morning. Uh, The point is going to be rather basic. It's almost as though we have a a three-part Advent series in this one psalm. And we're only, these first five verses, uh, we'll be doing, we're really setting up for the next two weeks that will end, Lord willing, on Christmas Day. So for today, we'll keep that in mind, uh, three parts here. Uh, the reality of these verses right here leading us to the table. It's really the application for the day. If you're wondering, that kind of ended early, what, what's that up? This is where we're heading. just want you to know that. And I think you'll see why uh, we're doing that. Talking about the spiritual presence of our Lord, where we can expect to receive grace for our souls. Psalm 132, verses 1 through 5. This is God's word. A song of ascents. O Lord, remember David and all the hardships he endured. He swore an oath to the Lord and made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes, no slumber to my eyelids. Till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. Let's pray together. Father, as a people called by your name and recognizing where we stand before you, we pray for eyes and for ears, for hearts, for lives that are eager to walk in your ways. Every step of the way on this pilgrim road of faith. Lord, by your spirit, through your word and sacrament on this day, we pray that you would lead us into this grace. We ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. 
Tis the season to want presents and hopefully to get presents, right? Some of you even have lists. You have a list for family, children, right? List for friends. Some of you even have lists for neighbors, what you're going to get them. Those are the things that you will get in order to give. Well, then there's that other list. might actually be written down. It's the list of things that you want to be given to you, things you want to receive. What is that that is on your list? If you were to tell me, you can tell yourself at least. What's on the list? What is it that you want to find resting under a tree somewhere? If I were to say, what do you have in mind? What do you have in your list? I think really what I'm asking, you'll agree, is what's in your heart? What is it that would make something come out and be on a list in the first place? What is it that is in your heart that would have presence listed on it, pleasing you the most to shake and then open two weeks from today? That's right, two weeks from today. You say, I want a game. No, I want a gift certificate. No, I want a carnival cruise. No, I want the promise of a new kitchen. What is it? What would the presence be? Would it even be able to fit under a tree? Again, this week and over the next two weeks, I want to pursue the subject of presence. And very specifically, God's presence. And his presence, not just in the sense of what he gives, as wonderful as that is. Of course, we're going to look at that. But also his presence as expressed in passages like the one we have before us right now. What do you mean? Psalm 132. There is a kind of presence that reveals the nearness of God, the relationship, the personal presence of a holy God that can and ought to be experienced and enjoyed by everyone who receives the Lord as Christ. And clearly that's true in the Gospels. Truly it's true in his Son. And that's the same truth that we're celebrating today in the Scripture, in song, of course, and even at this table in sacrament. All of this points to him, the Christ, the Christ whose presence with us is a gift. That's God's gift. With that said, though, I'm going to ask it this way, and this will, this will probably run the next couple weeks. Is that what you want? We can't just assume that's what you want. Did it even make your list? I already have it. Okay? Okay? Here's the thing. When God offers us his presence, right, we need to open up. That's a gift we need to open. And that'll mean that we're going to need to embrace the gift as he offers it. And that's only done with a heart of faith. We open up. And that kind of opening up, that, that faith, that desire, as you'll see printed in your bulletins if you want to follow along, we can summarize it at a very simple focus as we make our way through these verses, these verses that reflect the words of a spiritual pilgrim. And again, our pilgrimage today before we head out the door, is leading us to this table, okay? That kind of presence, it's set before us. What's on your list, pilgrim? Where is your heart today? We can use the same play on words. I hope you picked up on that. It might be a little silly, maybe even a little strange, but God's presence 
in the gift sense and in the personal sense placed before us here. What presents are you wanting today, whether that be before Christmas or after Christmas? Either way. And that's the brief outline today. Just one point. It's easy to follow. The psalm set before us, sets us up. What would we have placed before us? There is a wanting of presence here, God's presence. The expression that we find here, uh, first of all, is before the very first Christmas. You say, well, that must be true because when was this psalm written? And when was the first Christmas? Roughly the first Christmas was about 4 B.C., right? Maybe you knew that. And this psalm was written about 1,000 B.C. And yet there's this talk uh, of a desire for God's dwelling, his presence, to find intimacy at a level of profound personal comfort. You'll see that more as the psalm goes on. But long before that faithful pilgrim writes here, that these, pe- these people were longing for presence. Oh, that God would come. Oh, that he would dwell with them, live with them in favor, in relationship. And you might say, okay, I, I believe that. But what does that have to do with this psalm exactly? And again, we're going to build on that question as we move along over the weeks. But for starters, what do we need to notice? There is a desire for God's presence actually that goes back to, well, the Garden of Eden. There we go again with the Garden of Eden. By now, you should, hopefully you should be excited to hear about Genesis 3. What happens there? The relationship with God was broken. Sin enters the world. Don't get tired of hearing of that. That's, that's the bad news. But without the bad news, what good is the good news really? You need to know our roots, and our roots are in Adam. And here we are, back in the garden already. There's a longing for this presence of God to find a restoration, a reconciliation. Relationship with mankind had changed. It had to, due to sin. It had to change because God cannot have, well, sin. He cannot have unholiness in his holy presence. He's holy. He's perfect. You can't come into his house if you are not holy and perfect. Well, how's that going to happen? Well, he can't dwell with you unless it does, so you need a solution. Ah, bad news requiring good news. And that's the backdrop for the whole Bible. That's the backdrop for the whole Bible, Genesis 3 on. And yet what else happens in that very same chapter, as we like to point out here repeatedly? It's in that very same chapter, in that very same curse, as the Lord is cursing, due to sin, that he gives this gracious promise that someday the seed, the son, the savior, same person, someday he would come and bash in the head of the serpent. They would always have that to look forward to seeing as a reality. And that had to happen or else the curse would stay. The Lord would save the day. That's what he promised. And so the faithful always looked forward Wanting, waiting for God's presence. They did that even thousands of years before Christmas, let alone two weeks before Christmas. There's an expectation, there's a desire. There's a list, and it's in the heart. Desire for God to dwell with man. So that by the time we come to this psalm, we ought to be asking certain questions like this. What else happened? that would make the, well, the wanting become so personal, which is what we're about to see in this song. Why is the feeling so strong? Uh, 
me just add a few broad brush strokes. We, we can develop these uh, next time. There were ways that God would communicate his presence. He would uh, make himself known. Ever since sin entered the world, there was this broken relationship. We've been over that. Well, what did the Lord do to make this picture personal? Um, again, you don't need to be too, too much of a, a theologian even to remember certain images that were told by God. This is the pillar of cloud and fire, right? God would lead his people into the land of promise, and he would do this in a visible way. He also made his presence known in the tabernacle. I want you to build this tabernacle. It's very detailed. How do you want it? This is what I want you to do. Uh, another one that's gained popularity in our culture, uh, recently even, uh, last couple decades, the Ark of the Covenant. Very po- There's a symbol of God's presence. That's what these things mean. When you see these things, I'm telling you something about my walk with you, the Lord's saying. It's his presence. Those are just a few to mention. Um, that happens to be the occasion, by the way, of the psalm we have right before us here. In psalm 132, uh, as, we're, as we'll see more beginning in verse 6. But the psalmist, uh, evidently, he has this need to strike up a tune about what's in his heart. And I want to underscore it again. This, if this is helpful at all. This is 1,000 years before Christmas. 1,000 years before the first Christmas. And, and so if you look at me again, just briefly at these opening verses, it's not real uh, demanding today, but I would like us to look at the heart of the wanting, especially as we approach the table this morning. It's a time of rest, and uh, we need that today. Here's the latest song of ascents, verse 1. O Lord, remember David and all the hardships he endured. That's a prayer. Uh, It's a, a plea for God to remember, a plea for God to remain faithful. To what? Well, to the promise he made. He made a promise to David. And, of course, the promise would include what was said in the garden, You always got to keep that in mind. But also there's a a very specific promise that God made to David about his house, about the throne that would be in his house, that it would last forever, that it would, one, be there and also last forever. That kind of established house and throne. Um, That's what David heard. In fact, he heard it just after he defeated the Philistines and later returned the ark uh, back to Jerusalem. That's where it belonged. Uh, David had endured much hardship. You read a passage like this, he endured much hardship. Yes, he did. And you could, we could look at passages that show they did, but this is what we're being told. Um, and specifically, and again, we'll see this more next time, if that's too much of a, uh, a tease to point at next time all the time, but th- this is setting up the desire. He is reflecting. There, there's a recording of this. It's very clear in 2 Samuel chapter 6 and 7. That's the time when the ark was being transported back uh, not only being transported back, but also the time when God made the promise. Not coincidentally, right, that we have this picture, Second Samuel 6 and 7, if you want to get a head start on that for next week. But right now, this is what we have. O Lord, remember David and all the hardships he endured. And this leads to verse 2. He, David, he swore an oath to the Lord and made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. And evidently this is what he said. Verse 3. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes, no slumber to my eyelids, till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. I'm looking for Paul. Where's Paul? 
Okay. You know where I'm going with this, but uh, I may bring this up more next time. But it was 20 years ago, 1985, that we were in a play together. Um, it was called The House of the Lord. It's a musical. And uh, it was a production of music written by James Ward, if you know him. And the focus was, was on this, called The House of the Lord. It was on David's desire, his passion, his need to, well, find a home, build a permanent place for the Lord to dwell, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. I can still hear the guy, uh, this, and this psalm is one of the many psalms that were cited and sung in that play, and I can still hear the guy who played David. He's rattling off these words. It's hard to read them without, I don't know that I can or have thought uh, of anything else but this guy. These are words of a vow, and the way he expressed them it's probably not the way we would read it. it, just as we read through. We think, why is there even a vow here? What's this all about? But there's a, de- a determination, um, a desire, yeah, but, but it's, it's kind of more than that. This was, this was something he had to do. Uh, in, in 2 Samuel, um, though the oath itself is not mentioned there, David does reflect on the fact that while he is living in this palace of cedar, fancy that, where is the ark of God? Okay, the Ark of God, it symbolizes God's presence. David's living in a palace, and that's in a tent? It seemed wrong-headed. House for the Lord. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes, no slumber to my eyelids, till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the Mighty One. Jacob. He's not going to rest until it's, and that's a figure of speech. He's not resting until this happens. He's determined. He's desirous. He's going to honor the Lord in this way. This isn't selfish motive. Someone could say, see, David's always a good politician. He knew what he was doing. No. This is flowing from doctrine. He knows the past. He knows the history of his people. Uh, there's, there, this is, we, we can see this in this reference to the mighty one of Jacob. What does that tell us? Well, that's a very specific title. He uses it here twice in verses 2 and 5, if you can see that. And this is showing that he knows the prophecy that was spoken by Jacob. In Genesis 49, that there, was a, there was a word about the 12 tribes, the destiny of them. David knew that God was going to make good on that promise. David knew that his Lord had the power to do it. He knew that he could protect his people. He would remain faithful. He's very confident, uh, if not compelled at this point, to make a pledge a pledge of his own in this verse 5, to find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. And that's where the reading ends for today. We have a pilgrim wanting presence, God's presence, 1,000 years before Christmas Day. So fast forward 3,000 years, from then, and you will find yourself in this room today. Here we are, we are pilgrims. We are pilgrims in the same faith. We're looking to the same Lord, and we're still wanting presence. Right? Even way after Christmas Day. And if that longing for presence, and that's, I mean from within you personally, if that is because you've never received the gift that God sent 2,000 years ago, then today's the day. Today's the day to receive that gift. You, you don't want to wait 
another day. You don't want to wait two weeks when today the gift is offered to you. That means you're going to have to open up. Open up for the first time in childlike trust. How do you do that? Well, you know, maybe you've heard. It's a humble prayer that children tend to make when they realize how lowly they are. I need you. I need you. And very specifically, I need you to take away my sin. I need you to give to me what I can't buy, what I can't get from someone else, what I can't earn enough to buy for myself. What's that? Holiness, perfection, righteousness, peace. Why? So that I can stand in your presence. Let me change it. Let me emphasize it. Your presence. Do you want to stand in God's presence? Then you need to open up to his gift. Is, is that what you want? Is that what you want today? Well, if so, you need to turn your life over to him. That means you're going to have to give up your past. Say, I'm okay with that. You're going to need to give up your present, whatever that means. And you're going to have to give up your future. Giving up your sin, again, I'm okay with that. Giving up your pride, mm-hmm. better weigh that one. You're going to have to give up all your plans. You okay with that? Whatever they may be, you give them to the Savior. And maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, I've already done that. I've uh, placed my trust in him. I struggle some with that pride one and the future plans one even as a pilgrim. Well, you need to give those up again today too. This isn't just for those who have not yet believed. Believers need to keep giving up, keep opening up to the Lord. And if you've done all that, then you're going to recognize at this table that I've been pointing at deliberately. You're going to recognize there another symbol of God's presence. It's visible. It's a sign and a seal of what he did for you, what he did at the cross when the Lord suffered and died so that you could live in his presence. I'm going to ask it again. Is that what you want today? Communion? Do you want communion with God? The Lord who invites you to come to receive his gift in sacrament? That's what you want. That's what you need today. Then open up your hand shortly. Open up your heart now. And by faith, receive the blessing, the comfort, the grace the spiritual food that reminds you, that reassures you that in the person of Jesus Christ, God has given you his presence. Let's pray together. Fathers, we hear these words of uh, longing by the psalmist, um, by David, as he makes this vow in these opening verses. Lord, we recognize our own need to open up to you to have you fill us with your presence, with your gift, with your grace. Lord, we confess that sometimes our wants wander and our 
feet uh, find a way to follow. Even as pilgrims, we grow weary in the way. And so on a day like today, when we look to you for rest and see your table and hear the call to come, Lord, cause us to come humbly, eagerly, and wanting only you. We ask for this in the name of Christ. Amen. So we prepare to come to the Savior now. We're going to sing that.